0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I finally got used to this, by the way. If you, Any of you remember when we first got this microphone, how much I hated it? I felt like Britney Spears. You know what I mean? The headset microphone. It seems so pretentious. But as it turns out, I'm pretentious, so I like it now. <laughs> well, I'd like to, to say Happy Father's Day to every single dad who's here. Um, uh, and... and uh, Fatherhood is, boy, oh boy, huh, men? It's something you're not ready for when it happens. Uh, but it is uh, so important. It's such a, a vital role that we have, men, um, of being a leader in our homes uh, and being a, 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 a father figure to our, to our kids. You know, we, we, we live in a day, we live in an age um, when there's no up or down anymore. Right? There's no left or right. There's no what's right and what's wrong. It's kind of like everything is this shady hue. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, there's, you, you you don't have the right to tell someone this is the right way and this is the wrong way. If you do that, it's insensitive or it's hurtful or this or that. Um, and, you know, when people tell me, and, they, and I get this quite a lot, what gives you the right, <laughs> you know, to to eat my sandwich? Or what gives you the right to tell me... What's right or wrong? You know, we watched a, a really corny old Christian movie. And I'm not even going to recommend it because it's corny, right? And I think it was called The Time Changers, right? Was that the was that time changers? It's pretty bad, but <laughs> it's a great movie. It's got a, it's got a great story. It's got a great story. It's some guy back in like the early 1900s or late 1800s and he belongs to some university and he has this, this, uh, this thesis that he's working on uh, and it's the premise that it, it, you, know, you, don't have to, you can separate Jesus Christ and you can separate the Bible from morality. It's not necessarily, uh, it doesn't have to be necessarily symbiotic. You don't have to understand Jesus or the Bible in order to understand morality. It's just things. So through some corny Christian movie turn of events, <laughs> he gets zipped forward in time. Uh, and he is now living in the year 2012 or whatever it was when that movie came out. And seeing how far our society and our culture has fallen. From, from, from the time that he, he, come, he, he, he came from. And at one point in time, he's in Central Park, I think it's New York City, and this little girl runs by and steals his hot dog <laughs> that he's eating. And he chases her down, and he finally catches her, and he says, little girl, don't you know that it's wrong to steal? And she looks up at him and says, says who? And it's like, woo, that's the point of the movie. Like, if you could just have that one. (laughs) Like, that's the point of the movie that's like, wow. It really really hits home. Says who? So, what gives you the right to tell people what's right or wrong? And who are you to tell me what's right and wrong? Well, if you're a student of the scriptures, uh, and if you're someone who's been around long enough, you have the wisdom to say, I'm nobody. And I don't have the right to tell you how you ought to live your life. And I don't have the right to tell you what you have to do and what you should do, what you can or can't do. I don't have that right. And it comes down to this. What's your authority? Now, a human being who lives their life with no authority in their life is a human being who is heading uh, headlong for destruction. Uh, you know, Dave Hunt, uh, you know, a guy who passed away a couple years back now, and he was this old saint that used to come and speak to us, and he was this guy that was always calling Christians back to the inerrancy of God's Word and following God's Word and how preeminent it ought to be in our lives and how important it was to the structure and the fabric of our our family and our homes and our church uh, and and our faith, Um, and he (laughs) <laughs> he used to always talk about the fact that if, if it's something that's, that's from us, if it's just something that's from within us, if it's something that, that, that is of our own device and there's no authority behind it, it's going to be disastrous. And what he used to say is, you know, in those days, you know, if you were a fundamentalist, that was a bad word fundamentalist was a bad word. Whether it was a fundamentalist uh, a Muslim or a fundamentalist Christian, they had a bad connotation, and there was a, there was a bad feeling behind it. And what he said, was saying from the pulpit was, when I get on an airplane, I want my pilot to be a fundamentalist. I want my pilot to fly that plane exactly the way the book says you're supposed to fly a plane. I don't want him to get on there and say, You know what, Stu? I'm not going to hit the green knob today when we're at 30,000 feet. I'm going to hit the blue one. I have a good feeling about this. <laughs> like, I really feel... And like, really, Stu, quite frankly, who are you to tell me I have to hit the green knob? Or I need to dial it to this or dial it to that. You, you, if you could uh, listen in on that conversation in the back, you be going, No! You know. I want my power to be God's Word, Okay? God's Word, and and, and this is especially for you youngsters that are here, God's Word is not a chain. It is not bondage. Uh, It is not this list of do's and don'ts, this rights and wrongs, although that's in there. That's not what it is to you. Uh, That's what the world has to offer you. I promise you. I promise you. If you live your life according to the statutes of this world and what this world, what this world system, the spirit of this age, okay, there's the spirit of 2019. When I was a kid back in 1992, 1990s, there was a spirit of that age. And now the kids that are growing up in this age are saying, look back at my stuff from the 90s and go, that's corny. You know, that's so stupid. Okay, your rap music today is horrible. It's awful. I mean, probably you should, as a Christian, you should never endorse rap of any kind because most of it's terrible. That being said, the rap music of today is God-awful. I'm sorry, it stinks, all right? When I was a kid, that was rap music, okay? And some of you older people are going, you, you're insane. You've lost your, you've lost your mind, okay? Because it's, it's the same thing for you. You know what I mean? It's not for you. Today's rap, it's mumble rap. You know, I listen to it and I'm like, what's that? What What happened? You know, it's not for me. Now, I'm just using that as an example. There is a spirit of this age. And even though it's different this way or that way, things have not changed since the Garden of Eden. And the Bible teaches us this, that there's nothing new under the sun. It's simply wrapped in a different package. Oh, you, People back from then, they don't understand what we understand here today. Oh, 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 they understand. And Alexander the Great and his generation, they understood too. Because mankind and the heart of man and who we are at our core has not changed since the dawn of time, since God spoke the universe into existence. It's always the same lie. Satan comes bearing gifts. Satan comes with the forbidden fruit. Satan comes and he denies God's word. That's the first thing that he said to the woman. Has God said? Has God said that you can't eat of any of the fruit, of any of the trees in the garden? He misquoted scripture. He misquoted what God had said. No, that's not what God said, and she corrects him. He didn't say we couldn't eat of any of the fruit. In fact, we can eat of all the fruit. We just can't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because in that day, God promised us if we eat of that, we will die. You will not die, Satan said to the woman. God knows that when you eat of it, You're going to become like him. You're going to have knowledge. You're going to know good from evil. You're going to be enlightened. You're going to evolve. You're going to become a person who's aware, who's, you ready kids? Woke. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the 2019. You're going to be woke. And so she partook. And she didn't understand or know that what God was talking about is that veering off of the path that he had set for them, it wasn't the fruit. It was veering off the path that God had set for them that brought destruction. And God says in his word, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Thoughts to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. And the things that God has given us within his word are for that end. It's not to bind you up. You know, one of the reasons that I dress the way I do (laughs) and act the way I do at church and from the pulpit, and I've been rebuffed for this, by by certain people and i you know i know i didn't care when i was a kid and i don't care now right but the reason there's a reason for that it's not just it's like i'm gonna dress comfortably and i don't care what anybody says you know that that's not the reason the reason that i dress this way and the reason that i talk the way i talk every day through the week okay is because this is who i am and I want every single person who sits in this, in this uh, sanctuary and listens to me or everyone who watches me online or sees me out that there's not going to be a different Frank. That there's two different Franks. And I also want everybody to know that God loves you and God is for you as you are. And where you are, God has a plan for your life. And I promise you it's to prosper you. And I'm not talking about money. Because I was talking to a brother in between services, and I've hung out so many times with people who have 8,000 times more money than I do. And yet I feel so much richer than they because I listen, I'm an idiot. Okay, I'm a. I'm just a. i am am just ai here's. I'm a dude. I like the dirt bikes and I like the, the the fighting, ultimate fighting, and I and I like and I work with my hands and I'm just a dude. Like if you hang out with me, thinking we're going to hang out with Frank because he's a holy, you are going to be so disappointed. You're never coming back here. <laughs> I am just the ultimate dude i'm just a dude i have no wisdom of myself i simply and my life i'm richer than any of you and hopefully you're sitting there going oh i'm way richer than you and 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 all of you are than me with money probably (laughs) but but i am so rich and i'm so wealthy and i promise you it's only because i'm a living example of a moron who simply made a decision based on faith, I'm going to do everything in my power and everything to the best of my ability to make my life and the lives of my family and my home to look like what the Bible says it should look like. And I fall so far short. I promise, talk to the kids. What's, what's your dad most good at? What's, he, what's, most, what's the one thing he tells you most? I'm sorry. That's what he usually says. I'm sorry. You know, I'm out there and they hear, and then I'm coming out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was me. Daddy rage. Disregard. I'm sorry. So imperfect. So far short of the goal of the one who I follow. The one whose footsteps that I seek to walk in and I can't ever make the steps because they're too great and i can't stride the strides that he strode and i can't climb the mountains that he climbed and i can't walk on the water that he walked on but i just seek to anyway because he told me that i ought to and he told me that if i did he would bless my life and he would inhabit my heart and my home and that's exactly what he's done and he's been so faithful listen to me you say my but my you don't understand but you don't understand my home and what I've got going on and what I've, my situation. And, and I'm what you think you're short. I'm way far short. What you lack is made up by the blood of Jesus. You, that's the whole point here, guys. Is that when you go, God says, try. God says, come after me. God says, follow after me. Knowing and understanding this, that you're not going to be justified because of any good thing that you do, but you've already been justified because of what Jesus did. And by putting your hope and your faith and your trust in that, He will make up for what you lack. He's so gracious. He's so merciful. And He saved me again and again and again. I was on a path to nowhere, and in light of Father's Day, I can tell you, my poor father. And 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 anything that I know of Scripture and anything that that I learned about God and His nature came from living in that man's house. And imperfect people, we can—that's a whole separate message of all their imperfections, right? Imperfect people, perfect in love perfect in love and that's what scripture teaches us as well because if you say that you're this and you say that you're that and you have uh uh, this wonderful relationship with god or that you're a good person or that you're a righteous person and there's no love in your heart you're a liar and that's what it talks about and it says you know i'm a clanging cymbal i'm a resounding gong if i surrender my body to the flames and i give all that i have to the poor and i have not love it profits me nothing Love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast. It's not proud, it's not boastful, it's not abusive. It always hopes, it always believes, it always endures. It always does. And that's that's what my father showed me. He always hoped and he always believed. And listen, nobody else believed. (laughs) Actually, some of the people sitting in this church today were around for those days, praying me through it. And the Lord, the Lord had his hand on my heart and on my life. And he put me in that man's home, and I will be eternally grateful for that, for my dad. But for those of us that are here today, okay, God has something in store, whether you're a father or not, no matter your situation, single mom's. OK, this is not well, oh, sorry, no, no Dad in your home. Pfft, disqualified. No, 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 no. What did I say? Where we lack, Jesus makes up the rest. Because if your goal is the moon, and I can jump to the top of the fire hydrant which, by the way, I don't think I could do that and this. <laughs> and you can jump all the way to the top of the Empire State Building, but the goal is the moon. hello. Am I, are you hearing me? What's the difference? A miss is as good as a mile, right? Jesus makes up what we lack. Jesus makes up what we lack. We bring it to him. Listen to me. Do the best that you can. Bring to him that which you have. Don't ever let anyone rob you or rip you off or tell you that you don't have what it takes or what you have isn't good enough or you haven't gotten to this level or that level and so therefore you can't. Just as you are, like that old hymn says, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Just as you are, that's how God wants you. And regardless of your situation, regardless of the circumstances of your life, God wants to do something beautiful inside of your heart. Amen? Amen. And, I, I, and now I, it's like, okay, well, uh, thanks for all that, but you know, now the message is going to be six hours long, you know. Will you see what dad gave me to preach on today? Okay? I like him today because it's Father's Day. <laughs> Uh, But I like to, it's so funny. That's a whole different story as well. So we are in Leviticus chapter 3, starting with verse 9. Leviticus chapter 3, starting with verse 9. Then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord, its fat, and the whole fat tail, which he shall remove close to the backbone. And the fat that covers the entrails, yummy, and all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them by the flanks, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove, and the priest shall burn them on the altar as food, an offering made by fire to the Lord. And if his offering is a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord." He shall lay his hand on its head and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting. And the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle its blood all around on the altar. Then he shall offer from it his offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord. The fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails. The two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks. And the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys. He shall remove... And the priest shall burn them on the altar as food, an offering made by fire for sweet for a sweet aroma. All the fat is the Lord's. This shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all your dwellings. You shall eat neither fat nor blood. And the point here is that all of that belongs to God. Now, this is what I've been given to preach on today, okay? So don't don't blame me, all right? What is God saying here, and why is this stuff important? And again, we're in the book of Leviticus, so I'm telling you beforehand, there's going to be lots and lots of repetition, and there's going to be lots and lots of things that you're like, why are we going through this again? And I'm going to continue to remind you as well that the Bible repeats things again and again and again and again and again, and so we're going to study them again and again and again and again, because God wants you to understand what He's trying to say, and what it is that he's saying to you, to me, through the Mosaic Covenant, through the law, through the sacrificial system that he instituted. Okay? Now, um, I want to just turn to a couple of verses. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, verses 24 uh, and 25. Now, this is Paul when he's talking to the Greeks at the Areopagus um, about the Lord. And as he's walking up to this place to speak to them, because that's what the Greeks would do, is they would stand around all day and just philosophize. (laughs) (laughs) They're philosophers. Everyone wanted to be a philosopher. Everyone's a poet. Everyone wanted to have some secret knowledge. And so they would sit there and just talk about knowledge. Remember the Bible says that that, uh, Jews seek a sign and Greeks seek knowledge. Uh, But God is foolishness. He's a stumbling block to the Greeks and to the Jews. But the Greeks would stand around and they would talk about this thing or that thing and they would debate and they would argue and they would talk about it. Uh, and, And the gaining of wisdom was important to them. It was something to be desired. It was something that they sought after uh to, to have some sort of what was esteemed as wisdom and so paul is asked to speak because he's delivering the gospel he's been talking about jesus and so they ask him that, to come there and to speak to them about what he's been talking about uh and he as he's approaching he sees all of these altars all of these altars and all of to made it to all these different gods and there's even one that's inscribed to the unknown god Right? And they didn't know who that was. That's the point. Just in case we missed one, right? Uh, and, and, and there's just, you see this great futility in it because there's all of this knowledge and there's all of this talk and there's all of this accumulated wisdom and, and understanding that the Greeks had. And yet, for all of that, for all of that, what was the result? What was the result? It's like we always say the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. All of the knowledge that a person can, can learn and all of the understanding that a person can gain. If in your life, if in your life there's no good result that comes from it, what's the point? That's why the Bible instructs us and teaches us not to be like a person that looks in the mirror and after they go away forgets what they look like. Or not to be like the dog that returns to its vomit or a pig that returns to the slop But to understand that the words of God that he's given us in his book, in this book, are life to us. But they're meant to be taken by us and to be exercised, to put into practice in our lives and faith. But in Acts chapter 17, verses 24 and 25, Paul says this. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It's a verse you all know. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies... As living sacrifices, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Psalm 62 verse four says this: "They only consult to cast him down from his high position. They delight in lies, they bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly." Paul or excuse me, King David talking about evil-doers. Uh, Matthew chapter seven. Verses 15, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. And lastly, I want to turn to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, starting with verse 25. Now, this is Paul talking about Judaism in the sense that as he was going through, we've talked about this, as he was going through and he was delivering the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Greeks, to the Gentiles, all throughout the known world, as they began to get saved and churches began to pop up and people began to talk about this Jesus and it began to become a thing... There were then uh, Jews who were also believers in Jesus, but still clung to the Mosaic law and believed that in order to be a true Christian, it was not enough to just believe in Jesus. You still had to be circumcised and follow the laws of Moses. They were called the Judaizers. They were going around behind Paul and behind Apollos and some of these other apostles and telling the Gentiles, look, it's not enough. Great, we're glad you believe in Jesus, but Paul's not giving you all the truth. It's not enough to just believe. That's too simplistic. You need to be circumcised and you need to follow the laws of Moses. And there was much ado that was made about this. And finally the church fathers all gathered together and they went over this thing and they made that final decision. Peter said to the rest of the church fathers, Why would we put a burden on the Gentiles that neither we nor our forebearers were able to do? We didn't keep the law. The Gentiles are going to keep the law. And so they said, we want you to abstain from idols, we want you to abstain from sexual immorality, and we want you to abstain from blood. If you do these things, you do well. But all the washings and all of the religious uh, uh, entrappings and, 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 and all of the different uh, festivals and all of the different traditions of the church fathers, none of that was important. Because what God understands, what Jesus was, was primarily concerned with, was what was happening inside of a person. Inside of a person. I believe that that's what God was trying to show us when he goes through uh, Leviticus chapter 3. And we talk about all this talk about the entrails and the fatty lobes. And you're like, why? Why? Notice what we're talking about here. Romans chapter 2, verses 25 to 29, Paul says this. For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. Now remember, who can keep the law? Nobody. But if you are a breaker of the law, that's me, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man, that would be a Gentile, keeps the righteous requirements of the law, and remember what Jesus said, the requirements of the law were summed up in two commandments. Remember, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If an uncircumcised fellow does this, Uh, keeps the righteous of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who, even with your written code and circumcision, are a transgressor of the law? Here it is, guys. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Now, do not go down to your local synagogue and walk in there and tell them, guess what? None of you are Jews, okay? Okay. That's not going to go well for you, first of all. Second of all, that's not what Paul's talking about. Okay? That's not what Paul's talking about. There is nothing in the New Testament, and if any, I can tell you right now, we're students of the Word of God. Anytime, anyone, because you're going to meet Christians at some point in time, probably, who are going to start to put a trip on you about how Jews are not really the children of God anymore, and that promise has now been transferred to the Gentile church, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You study the whole scripture, understand what God says about the children of Israel and about the Jews and about the nation of Israel. They belong to him now and for all time. God said to Abraham or to uh, Jacob, my covenant with you is going to be established as long as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. Okay? Did the sun rise in the east this morning? Is it going to set in the west? Guess what? His covenant with Jacob still stands. God is not done with the Jewish people. Paul is very specifically and carefully talking about the work of God originally established through the law, through the sacrificial system, and how that it has now been fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And all of these sacrifices and all of the worship in the tabernacle and all of these things that we're going to go through and study, we're speaking were a picture of what God wanted to do in men's hearts. In men's hearts. So when he says he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, that name Israel, which means governed by God, it's easy to say. Remember what the, the Pharisees, when they argue with Jesus, they were like, Abraham was our father. Abraham is our father. Remember what Jesus told them? God can raise up from these rocks children of Abraham. He goes, Abraham is not your father. Why? Because you don't do what God is calling you to do, and you don't believe in the one whom he prophesied and has now sent. Instead, you do evil works. So you're not children of Abraham. You're children of the devil. And they wanted to kill him. But what Jesus was talking about and what Jesus was dealing with always was what's happening inside. Inside. The blood and the fat from the entrails, from the insides of the sacrifice, always belonged to God. Now in these fellowship offerings, the meat would be cooked up and would be shared between the one offering the sacrifice, the priest who was offering the sacrifice, and some of it would be burned as though there was a three-way fellowship going on between the person sacrificing, the priest, and Almighty God. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to get right to communion, but I want to read something to you. And this is going to be the beginning of our communion service. And I got this from, um, let's see the Now, this is what I love, okay? What I love to do is I love to read things that are not from a Christian source and see the Christian stuff in it. I love to read the stuff. This is 100% uh, from the standpoint of a rabbi, okay? This is from jewishencyclopedia.com. I'm going to read through it very quickly. There are three kinds of peace offerings. The thank offering... The votive offering and the free will offering. The thank offering is a response to acts of divine beneficence. The votive and the free will sacrifices are connected with the expectation of benefit. But the significance of the thank offering is wider than that of the other two. The votive offering is prompted by a feeling of gratefulness and the fulfillment of a petition. While the free will sacrifice, which has the character of complete voluntariness, has its origin not so much in the gratitude elicited by a happy experience as in the spontaneous move of piety. So he's talking about the three kinds of free will offerings here, okay? Or peace offerings here. Peace offerings were usually private sacrifices... Their characteristic characteristic feature being the fact that the worshipers entered into a common feast, but they were probably offered on high occasions also. Ezekiel suggests that the kings furnish animals for the assembled people and regards the common meal as the center of the group, for he speaks of eating upon the bema. P does not know of this, blah, 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 I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to get down to the good point. Uh, Other instances of the public peace sacrifice are the offering of the ram at the installation of priests and the annual offering of two lambs along with two loaves of new wheat bread at Pentecost. These last were originally local offerings. In latter times, they were presented in the temple for the whole people. Sometimes guests were invited, and the poor, the stranger, and the Levite, as well as the male and female servant, could join the domestic circle." But only Levitically clean persons could participate in the meal. In other words, this fellowship offering, anyone could join in on, but you had to be Levitically clean. You understand? It didn't matter if you were rich, it didn't matter if you were poor, it didn't matter if you were a priest, it didn't matter if you were a prophet, it didn't matter if you were a king. You could join in on this feast, but you had to be Levitically clean. Now, what we would call that today is you would have to be what? Born again. You have to be born again. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, guess what? You're clean. Um the meals were in general of a joyful character <laughs> wine being freely indulged in <laughs> that's this is again this is not from a christian website <laughs> meat that was unconsumed um might not be profaned. That which was left over from the praise offering had to be consumed on the same day. The residue of the other con- communal sacrifices had to be disposed of on the second day, and all that then remained had to be disposed of outside, of outside the camp on the third day. It is difficult to determine... This is, this is the best part, guys. I promise. It is difficult to determine whether Yahweh was regarded as the guest at these sacrificial meals, or the sacrifices were considered guests of God, to whom the sacrifice was being devoted, inasmuch as community was expressed at these sacrifices by reciprocal giving and accepting. God must have been considered as more than a mere guest. He awards in the meal his divine gifts as the recompense for the honor received from the community in the offering of its best. I love that part. It's unknown whether the people, the worshipers were the guests or whether God was the guest. Now, what I love about this is through the teachings of Jesus Christ and the word of God, we have some clarity here. Because this, my friends, this is a fellowship offering. This is a peace offering. This is something that Jesus Christ instituted with his disciples to be passed on to the church, to you and I, As communion. When we talk about communion, what does the word communion mean? Communion means fellowship. Communion means fellowship. Fellowship us together and fellowship with the Lord. And Jesus said, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And we know that the scripture teaches that where two or three of you are gathered, there I am in the midst of you. This communion that Jesus Christ gave us to celebrate is a fellowship offering to him. This is us coming to him, and it goes both ways, doesn't it? We're his guests, but we're asking him to be our guests. We're asking him to be a part of our fellowship. We're asking him to be a part of our meal here. And so, come on up, guys. We'll we'll, we'll go ahead and pass out the elements. Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and he broke it, and he passed it to his disciples, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And then he took the cup, the fruit of the vine, he took the wine and he passed it to his disciples and he said, this is my blood that's freely shed for you. This is the blood of the new covenant. And he told his disciples, this is not just for you, but this is something that's to be passed on. This is something to be shared. Now listen, remember what we were talking about, about the grace of God through Jesus Christ. That where you lack, he makes up for. But what he requires, when we talk about the fatty lobe and the kidney and all the fat off of the entrails, you're like, ew, God wants everything that's inside of you. And I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually. I mean emotionally. I mean from your heart. You can trust God with your heart. You can't always trust people with what you know. You can't always trust people with what you feel. Because sometimes they'll turn around and use it against you. But God will never trust ever ever do that he only wants fellowship so this meal what do i have to do to partake in this meal you have to have a relationship with jesus christ this is for his friends and that has absolutely nothing to do with what you've done with where you've been and has everything to do with where your heart is at today if you don't want to have a relationship with god through jesus christ this is not for you But regardless of your situation, regardless of how far you may have fallen short this week, if you want to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, this meal is for you. Don't ever let anybody, and don't let yourself rip yourself off of sharing this meal with the Lord.